Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Christian Bible Study Ministry podcast. Uh, I want to start this, as I always do, by saying that uh, I hope that the Lord is blessing you right now, which I know that he is, and uh, I pray that if you don't realize this, then I pray that he will let you know in some kind of way, no matter what's going on in your life, uh, he is there with you. Uh, I have a lot of people in my family right now that are just dealing with some uh, bad things. People have uh, passed away. Uh, people are sick with cancers and other things. And, uh, uh, you know, I keep praying for them. And so if any of you out there uh, is going through the same kind of thing, then uh, I will pray for you all as well. Uh, today, we want uh, we will be looking at uh, the book of Ezekiel, chapters 38 through 39. Uh, this will be the first time that I've ever done two entire chapters of the Bible in one program. So, um, you know, but this is a, a topic that is very uh, awe-inspiring when you think about it. This is the war of Gog and Magog also known as uh, Ezekiel's War. And this is a war which is uh, still to come. It is going to be a an awe-inspiring event. It is going to be something along the lines of the judgments that were meted out in the uh, Old Testament, you know, like when uh, uh, the plagues came upon Egypt, for example. These th- this thing will be terrible for the people who are on the wrong side of it. So we will start from Ezekiel chapter 38. Uh, we will go, we will read now the first four verses. So here we go. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, I am against thee, O God, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. So Gog would seem to be the leader of Magog, whoever, you know, wherever Magog is. Uh, These areas that are all mentioned in these two chapters, uh, these areas could include modern day Turkey and or Russia. You know, some of these names could. Uh, I believe most maps will show you that there are various locations given for Gog. And this goes for the other names mentioned as well, for the most part. Uh, God will bring these nations into war against Israel. You know, whatever reasons that these nations might have on their own, the Lord is just going to use those reasons to uh, drag them into this conflict. And we will see why and what will happen here shortly. Go down to verses 5 through 6 now. 
uh, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee. So we're told that the Lord himself, as I just mentioned, will draw these armies into war against Israel with all their military might. We see that Persia is mentioned and its identity is without doubt, of course, uh, uh, it is the country we know today as Iran. Persia is the old name for Iran. We all know that Iran has a hatred of Israel, and this is not going to change. Cush uh, is identified with an area in East Africa, which uh, would include countries like uh, Ethiopia, Somalia, and others. Uh, I've seen different locations mentioned for Gomer. These could either be in Turkey or Russia from the different maps I've seen. Uh, we have we, we see also that Libya, put, is mentioned. Uh, in any case, uh, it is evident that a vast army will come against Israel at this point in history. Uh, we are told that Gog will come from the farthest north. The country farthest to the north of Israel is today Russia. Uh, to be clear, though we are not told or certain of the modern identities of the invading countries, but they seem to include large areas of the former USSR and Arab countries. Go down now to verses 7 through 9. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have, have been always waste. But it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. So when will the, why will this war happen? Uh, we will see in the next verses that the Lord plainly tells us this answer. Uh, here, he long ago decreed that he would bring these nations to war with Israel. And it would appear from the text that Israel at that point in history will be at peace and prosperous. Her people have come home. Now today, over the preceding, you know, over the past uh, most of the past hundred years, we have seen that a lot of Jews have started to come home to Israel. But Israel right now is not in a state of peace. It has been in a state of war, more or less, ever since before uh, 1948, even, when it was uh, once again declared to be an independent country. Uh, there were already conflicts there uh, between the Jews and the Arabs. Uh, and it is mentioned that this war will happen in the later years or the latter years. This would mean that uh, this war will take place at some point during the end times. You know, whether it happens before the tribulate, uh, before the rapture, uh, after the rapture is up for debate, you know, but it will happen towards the end. So now down to verses 10 through 13. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. 
And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. You know, Israel at that point will seem an easy target. Um, she will be at peace and secure. The invaders will want to plunder her. Other nations will protest, but for whatever reason, they will not try to intervene, as we will see in a moment. Uh, you know, I'm thinking that this is also the doing of God. God will himself destroy the enemies of Israel without using other nations. Uh, we know to you know about the um, the statement here of Israel being an, an an easy target. Today we know that Israel has a mighty military. They are one of the sharpest militaries in the world, and it would not be an easy target for anybody to hit. So whatever happens in the future, Israel will have possibly seen a need. Uh, or a reason to kind of lay aside its arms, that's not going to happen today because of all the conflict that's around. So there's going to evidently be a point in time to where Israel will not be surrounded by enemies the way that it is now. You know, how that will happen, I have no idea. Uh, she's going to seem like uh, basically kind of like a house with an open door, you know, People are going to want to come in and come and take all the stuff that they can get a hold of. You know, thieves. And so they will think they have an easy target on their hands. But that will not be the case. So down to verses 14 through 23. And therefore, son of man, prophesy... And say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. Excuse me. Excuse me, y'all. Sorry. I just realized that I missed something. Uh that I wanted to discuss a little in a little bit further detail. Going back to around verse 13, uh, we see the names Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Uh, these nations basically represent uh, the rest of the world. If you, th you know, when you see that Tarshish is representative of the old British Empire and all the young lions, the young lions represent all the nations that came out of the uh, British Empire. Uh, Sheba and Dedan are the Arab, the Arab nations surrounding Israel that are not a part of the uh, enemy alliance here. Maybe countries like uh, Saudi Arabia um, and some other countries, uh, whatever they might be. So I just wanted to address that before I went any further. You know, now we're going to go back down to verses 
uh, 13, you know, excuse me, 14 down to the end of the chapter here, uh, we'll pick back up at 16. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O God, before their eyes. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. So, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that shall creep up, that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for, the, for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. Verse 22, And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, and overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Verse 23, Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So, uh, to emphasize the certainty of what is being said here, the Lord says again, he repeats that he will draw the enemies into battle against Israel. And here's a big reason why. Uh, to make his name known and revered in the world, his anger will burn hot against the invading countries. And we all know mostly when the Bible talks about the Lord's anger, there's fire involved. And it says that it will burn hot against the invading countries. This is not going to be good for anybody involved in attacking Israel. Uh, the world will know his holiness through this event. There will be a great earthquake in Israel and, and all the earth, including the animals, will tremble at God's, God's presence. But the event will not be limited to just Israel. We'll see that a little bit uh, here in the next minute or so. Uh, a great plague of some kind will fall upon the army, the invading armies, and uh, somehow or another they will start attacking each other. That you know that would have to be almost some kind of supernatural event, I would imagine. Uh, it's going to be a massive confusion when you consider the fact that the Bible tells us that the invading armies are going to be like. Uh, you know, that they're going to be numerous. So just imagine the confusion and chaos uh, within an army that large. Excuse me. So that will end chapter 38 there, and uh, we will go to chapter 39. So, excuse me just a second. Okay, yeah, verses 1 through 2 from chapter 39. Therefore thou son of man prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. 
and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee and I will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. You know, the Lord tells us again, this is like the third or fourth time he has repeated this, uh, or mentioned this, a great army will come from the north, the Lord will put it in their hearts to do this, and again the Lord will drag the enemies into war with Israel. From what I understand of what it says here, uh, he will leave the sixth part. Um, I believe that uh, there's a very good chance that this one-sixth that is left will not be destroyed. And this could very well be to give that one-sixth that is left a chance to repent once they see what has happened to uh, their fellow soldiers. You know, it could very well be that the Lord wants to give some of them a chance to be saved. So we'll go down to verses three, uh, 3 through 4. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Wow. You know, even with all this might, the enemies will suffer a horrifying fate. They will fail catastrophically. They will be utterly power, powerless in spite of the great strength of their armies. They're going to wind up being animal food. I just can't even imagine what, what kind of scene that would be, you know, with that vast, you know, that vast of an army being turned into animal food. Wow, you know. So we'll go down to verses five through six. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken that saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire on Magog and among them that will dwell, dwell that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. You know, a great plague will strike the enemy countries. Uh, I believe, uh, rain, fire, and sulfur are mentioned. So, it won't be limited to just the area of Israel. It will go against the actual enemy countries themselves. So it's going to be a huge and momentous uh, event that is like out of the uh, Old Testament days, you know, where Egypt had the ten plagues. We'll go to verses 7 through 8. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come and it is done, saith the word God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. The Lord is not going to let Israel uh, just wallow in its unbelief uh, at this time. You know, at that time, you know, they are going to know. You know, uh, they are going to definitely be totally without excuse. Uh, you know, as far as remaining in unbelief, he says they will not profane my holy name anymore. This is going to be the event that uh, definitely gets Israel at the very least on the road to believing in Christ. 
because they're going to see his awesome power right in front of them. They, they won't be able to deny it. And uh, I don't think any event since the Old Testament days can compare to this coming war. The Lord will be definitely getting his point across. So verses 9 through 11 and they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. So they that shall take no wood out of the fields, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with fire. And they shall spoil those that spoiled them and rob those that robbed them, saith the Lord. You know, now we're told of the extent of the slaughter of the enemy. Uh, and it gives us a great idea as to how numerous they are. You know, we're going to go down to verse 11 here real quick. And it shall come to pass in that day I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and they shall bury, and there and there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the Valley of Hammon Gog. Uh, there's going to be so many people killed that the Israelis will will pretty much have no need to buy, you know, to uh, to acquire fuel, you know, like buying fuel or cut anything down because they will be there will be so much of it left by the invaders. Uh, those who were going to invade and plunder will be the ones, you know, excuse me, They those who were to be plundered and victimized will be the ones to gain from the spoils of war. There will be so much of it that the people will have problems traveling and that's going to, and the whole place, the whole area is going to stink. You know, it will have its own name actually. There's going to be a bad stench and it's going to stop up people's noses. That's how bad it's going to be. Go down to verses 12 through 14. And seven months shall, they, shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them and it shall be to them a renown the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall sever out of men out men of continual employment, passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it. After the end of seven months shall they search. And you know, it's going to be such a slaughter that it's going to take seven months just to get the bodies removed. You know, the ones that can be seen readily, and uh, people will be working continuously to remove them. Uh, it's going to be like a full-time job, a full-time industry there, you know, but we'll see in the next couple of verses here that, you know, starting in verse 15, and the passengers that pass through the land, when any seeth a man's bone, then shall he set up a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hammon Gog, and also the name of the city shall be Hamona, thus shall they cleanse the land. You know, it's going to be such a bad slaughter that they're not even going to find all the bones on the first go-around. The people people are going to come by and find bones, and they're just going to have to leave a marker there for the bear. You know, and then the burial people will just come and remove them. And again, the the burial place will have its own name, Hammond Gog.
it's going to be that big of a slaughter to where the graveyard is, you know, it has its own name. So now, now we go down to verses 17 through 20. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. And ye shall eat fat until ye be full, and drink blood till ye be drunken of my sacrifice which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men, and with all the men of war, saith the Lord God. The Lord, knowing that the, 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 the slaughter that is going to happen, he's basically preparing the animals to come and take care of a lot of this mess. They're going to be bird food, bird animal food. You know, he says the animals are going to eat so much that they're going to be glutted and drunken with blood. That's an awesome thought. You know, I'm not saying that I relish in it, but it is an awe-inspiring thought there. Uh, that the enemies of Israel, Israel will be laid waste and that their bodies are just going to be left out there to the extent that the animals are, that the wild animals are going to come and devour them. And this, and this is even with, think about this, this is even with uh, people removing the bodies. The animals are still going to have a feast here. That's something to really ponder here, you know. Now we'll go down to uh, verses 22 through 23. Excuse me, I need to take a short break here. Excuse me, now we'll go to verses 21 through 23. Uh, and I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed, and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from, the, from that day forward. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they trespassed against me. Therefore I hid my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So so fell they all by the sword. Uh, you know, the Lord makes the point here to say that uh, one purpose of this war is for Israel to be brought out of their uh, unbelief. You know, they were sent into exile because exile and captivity because of their unbelief. Now, Israel will know that the Lord is God, and through Israel, the world will know that uh, the Lord is God. You know, they, the world will know that Israel was judged for her sin. She was sent into captivity, dispersed throughout the world, and now Israel ha has been brought back. And the, the world will know that this was of God. The Lord will make himself known through this war and he will judge his enemies through this war. And all Israel will know that he is the Lord. We go down to verses 24 through 25. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions have I done unto them and hidden my face from them. 
Therefore, this saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. You know, again, the Lord will, the world will know that Israel was judged for her sin. She was sent away into exile for her unfaithfulness. But she will also have been restored with compassion from God. All of this, like all of the past consequences from Israel's unbelief and her captivity and exile will be gone. You know, she will be restored with compassion from God. The Lord will basically, you know, he will be embraced by Israel. They will know him. They will know him. Verses 26 through 27. After they have, after that they have borne their shame and all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against me when they dwelt safely in their land and none made them afraid. When I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and them sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. You know, whatever political or domestic situation Israel was in before the war, uh, after the war, they will no longer be unfaithful, you know, to him. Uh, Israel right now is, uh, of course, by and large, a Jewish nation with a large uh, Muslim, you know, a Muslim uh, population. You know, the Christian population of Israel is extremely small. Uh, you know, the Jews will have come home from around the world with none being left behind. They will go to Israel and... Israel, as we have repeated here several times uh, after this war, they will come to Christ, which will be a truly awesome, uh, it's going to be an awesome event. And it will certainly be known throughout the world. We go now to verses 28 through 29. Uh, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them into their own land and have left none of them any more there. I just said that. Neither, neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. To me, this is the best part of this. You know, you know, uh, you know the judging of the Lord's enemies is great, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just, you know, it's sad and that so many people will die, but that is a consequence of their uh, evil heart and unbelief. Uh, the Lord will pour out his spirit upon Israel. And as I've said here just a minute ago, he will have compassion on Israel. He won't hide his face from them anymore. Uh, the reason why Israel was cast out and dispersed was it, it, it was done by, it was done by God uh, because of the sins of Israel they lost their nation you know they you know they lost their political nation uh, they were more or less kicked out of their land you know but now they have started to come home Jews are coming home to Israel every day and Israel will undergo a large spiritual awakening after in the aftermath of this war and i will venture to say that many people around the world will take notice and receive christ at that time israel by and large will accept christ at that time and because of that because of this war i 
pretty sure that many people around the world will also accept Christ at that time. Now, to me personally, I have a thought that this could be uh, this war, you know, if it takes place uh, before the rapture, which was, which would mean before the tribulation, uh, this could very well be God's last attempt to get people's attention to, so that they won't miss the rapture, you know, uh, because of the horror that will await anybody who goes through the tribulation, uh, the Lord doesn't want anybody to have to go through that. You know, so he may very well use uh, this war here in Ezekiel to give people one last chance to repent of their unbelief and accept Jesus Christ. So we are now at the end of this uh, look at Ezekiel's war. Uh, we see that this will be a, a very large conflict. Uh, it will be one nation, Israel, against uh, several uh invading nations you know but really it will be those nations versus god and of course that being the case they will horribly lose and an overriding idea and theme here in this topic is the holiness of god's name you know he desires for people to come to him he desires for israel to come to him you know they don't believe they don't believe in Christ right now by and large, but after this they will. And you know it's not. Excuse me for just a second. You know he wants us to respect and revere his name because he wants us to be saved. He doesn't want us to suffer the consequences of an eternal separation from him. So. You know, my thought is that's one good reason why he's jealous over his name because he wants what's best for us. So, and hopefully this war will be a huge uh, uh, awakening for a lot of people. So we're going to end this uh, discussion here, this study here for right now. And uh, I just want to say maybe a kind of a quick prayer Lord. Father, if there's anybody here listening to this, if they do not know you, if they don't know Christ, and I pray that they would take this chance to accept it, uh, or if you're, uh, you know, if you're drawing them, you know, I pray that people would understand that, you know, you have to draw someone to Christ before they can be genuinely saved. You know, I pray that if your spirit is working on them right now, then I pray that they would accept you and come into and come to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray this. Amen.